Hi, I'm Zina. I'm Laura. And welcome to Think Law, a podcast series brought to you by four LSE students, where we interview people from different legal backgrounds to guide aspiring lawyers. This episode will focus on the stages of securing a training contract, balancing university workload and applications, and lastly, focusing on the experience of a future trainee at Cleary, Gottlieb, Steen, and Hamilton. I have the pleasure to be here today with Zita von Bonin, holding two training contract offers from leading U.S. firms, White and Case and Cleary Godley. I look forward to exploring her shift in interest from consultancy to commercial law and her tips on the application process and experiences in both vacation schemes. Zita, please give us a brief introduction about you. Hi, guys. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I'd be happy to do that. Um, in terms of my academics, like the beautiful hosts on the podcast, I uh, did my undergrad at LSE, where I studied politics and philosophy. Um, and then currently, I'm pursuing a master's degree at Sciences Po in Paris in economic law. On the side, I'm also completing um, the PGDL, so the law conversion at the University of Law. And in terms of my practical experience with law, I'm sure we'll uh, touch upon it throughout the, the interview and this podcast. But as Zina mentioned, I have had a little bit of non-law experience as well. And I've been lucky enough to touch on the discipline from many different angles before landing in the more traditional law firm vacation scheme um, context. And I've interned in legal consultancies, public affairs companies, um, before spending a couple of weeks at White and Case and Cleary this summer and being lucky enough to receive two training contract offers. Thank you, Zita. And what did you, why did you want to go into law and why did you want to study to, in law? Um, I think that initially I have a strong academic interest in the discipline, which is a natural development, I would say, from my politics and philosophy undergrad. Um, because I was initially drawn to those subjects for its, you know, for the way in which it provided a conceptual framework to the questions of, you know, that underlie our actions, our thoughts, the systems that we um, live in. And in my opinion, law is just almost the more real world um, development of those questions. So already from an academic perspective, it just made a lot of sense for me to to, to study law. And then obviously there is a career element um, where I just from, you know, my internship experiences have found that becoming a lawyer was a very attractive prospect to me. And so studying law just made sense um, as a stepping stone to that career. Thank you. And given all your experiences, what attracted you to what attracted you most to commercial law? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'm. I have to say, on the the question for me was not. I was never really interested in being a barrister, but within the field of like the solicitor kind of practice, I did wonder whether I wanted to go more into the regulatory side or in the private practice side, um, and that just came down for me down to um, the everyday routine that I wanted my my life to look like. Um, from my experience, the public practice of law can be a little bit routine based and a bit bureaucratic. And I just felt that from my personality and my interests, it would be uh, a bigger challenge um, 
and better suited to my ambition to go into a more fast-paced environment, uh, just from an everyday kind of point of view. Thank you. And explain to us how you were able to balance your degree, so at LSC and applications. That's a very good question. And I think that um, anyone who's tried to to do both at the same time knows that it's very difficult. And to this day, I have to say those were some of the most challenging times. Um, I'm not sure how I, how I did. I did it twice. So I did two rounds of applications, not necessarily for law in the first instance, but at this stage, I believe that applications to, you know, be an investment banking or consulting or big law um, do resemble one another quite a bit. And so in the first cycle, I applied to some consultancies and I I think I managed it poorly. Um, so I would say the first tip for doing, doing it both would be, um, you know, not being afraid of going through the process several times because it can take a couple times and you do get better every time. So that was one thing that helped me a lot is having gone through it once and then coming back to it um, the year after. Another way in which I tried to balance it out was being a bit more strategic in the way I spent my time. So I had to force myself to recognize that certain elements of especially obviously the academic sides I couldn't pursue fully. For example, some readings or some class preparation, to be completely honest, I just didn't do anymore at that point because my priorities were were not aligned with it at that time. Um, so I think it's about being also just honest with yourself in what you can achieve and realistic about your time. And in terms of a practical tip, I think my friends know that I have a big obsession with my calendar um, to sort of make sure that my time is well spent. And I think it was helpful for me to map out literally how my week would look like. So it's not just having a to-do list where you put on everything, but it's also visualizing what will take long because oftentimes when you write a to-do list, you underestimate or you overestimate what you know the time will take. And so by having it visually displayed, um, you can also be a bit more flexible in managing it. Definitely. I think organization is a, a top, top tool and I'm sure that you did it perfectly. And so we know that you also had a big role in the LSC Competition Law Society being vice president. So can you just touch upon that a bit and just explain to our listeners what competition law is as well? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll start maybe with a latter question about what competition law is. And Maybe if there's anyone that's an expert in the field, they'll listen to me and think, wow, she has no clue. So I hope, um, you know, again, I'm just starting out in my career, but from my understanding and the experience I've had with it, competition law is um, a discipline that's, I guess, initially based in different economic theories on how um, the market should work and whether or not it should be regulated. And so far, on different and varying degrees across Europe, the UK um, and the US, there has been a consensus that in some way market powers need to be regulated by the state. In the EU, we have a lot more intervention than for example in the US, but at some level, the states do make sure that competition is maintained. And well, maybe I should also say what competition is to, to clarify the explanation. Let's say there's two companies that produce, you know, phones and one company decides to um, buy the other, that will make the customer 
you know, subject to potential price increases, quality decreases, etc., simply because the company is then free to impose whatever on the customer as the customer has no alternative. And the bigger the company, the less likely it will be that a smaller competitor enters the market because they can't afford to compete with the big one. And that would harm ultimately the consumer, as well as, you know, research and development, progress, innovation, etc. And so this is why uh, many states uh, have taken the view that they should make sure that that competition is maintained just to guarantee the things I just mentioned. Um, and so now where does the law come in here? The regulation of the market obviously is legal. What's interesting is that, you know, there is no document that will tell you competition is infringed from this level and this level. So it is also always up to the legislator and the companies to, to, um, argue back and forth on what the market even is, what the product is, etc. But a lawyer, so what I would be doing in the future as a solicitor, if I would, you know, qualify into competition law, would be um, defending any company that has been accused of infringing competition law, basically, or just sort of double checking that we're not infringing competition law when concluding a merger, etc. I hope that was somewhat clear. Um, and then you mentioned, or you asked me about my experience within the society. The Competition Law Society. Well, I started out at LSE um, in that society as a marketing officer. I then moved up to secretary and yeah, I was uh, vice president in the end. And we did kind of uproot the society, which initially was more catered to master's students because it is, you know, quite of a kind of a niche discipline within law um, and tried to open it up a bit more to undergrad students as well when I was the vice president. And to do that, we pushed you know, careers events um, a bit more. And we also discussed competition law in more current contexts. Um, we see a big, you know, rise in the interest for competition law from a tech perspective, obviously, but also from a sustainability perspective. And those questions, I think, are really relevant for everyone, not just the the academic uh, people people that are in, academically interested in the discipline so that's what we tried to do to bring it a bit closer to everyone thank you and now relating it back just to applications um, I'm sure that that also gave you a lot of exposure because of the career events and how did you did you network a lot with solicitors and attend lawfare events how did you find that experience and what were the tips that you received yeah um I I I did. Initially I went through LinkedIn a lot. Um I contacted people mostly at the more junior level um in those firms that I was interested in. Obviously the response rate I would say is maybe 50%. So um I did message more people than I needed um just because you never know who will reply and how how useful also the conversation is i focused on scheduling calls rather than just you know messaging them with my questions because i felt like that was more productive for me first of all because when the person speaks they you know give you tips that they wouldn't have thought of when they're writing it out um and it i find it that people prefer it as well on the other side um careers events I personally actually didn't go to so much um, in comparison to some friends, but I did um, attend one where at the end I almost randomly um, spoke with an HR recruiter from another firm. So neither White and Case 
um, nor Cleary. But the conversation went so well that she really encouraged me to apply and I think um, sort of validated my application as soon as I applied. So I definitely, definitely recommend everyone who has a chance to meet specifically the people from HR um, to to take or to to take up those chances because uh, a personal connection can go a very long way to make a difference in the sea of applications these firms receive every year. Yes, of course, because it is a very people-focused industry. I think the first step is just to start networking and it's a skill that you can develop from the early starts of your application process. And do you have um, any tips regarding interviews? So interviews, assessment centers, how did you prep for that? Also being an all-law student, I'm sure you know you do have to make that extra step in, in acquiring yeah. knowledge. Yeah, I mean, combining what we just discussed and, and the interviews, I think already getting to the interview is most of the difficulty because I, I applied to firms where I didn't even get to the first stage. Um, so I think that really overcoming the paper scanning and meeting someone or at least having the chance to do a high review, et cetera, is already a big, big achievement. I think that the one thing to keep in mind for interviews in general um, in this field, so commercial law, but again, also any kind of very commercial uh, field in general, would be that the people on the other side are hiring you because they want you to make money for them, if that makes sense. A big law firm will hire people to you know, satisfy clients, um, to respond to partners' need in a way that's not necessarily extremely brilliant. Obviously, they would like you to be very smart, but it just has to be effective because it's about money at the end of the day. And having that in mind, like the commercial interest of the fact that these firms also are business um, helped me a lot in drafting my rep responses to the prompts and then also in the interviews themselves, always having that as a driver to all my answers um, might have set me apart a little bit, even in the whole networking that we discussed before. Um, but more, more generally, in terms of the interviews, uh, in terms of tips, I think you need to practice a lot um, because even if you write out your answers and they're excellent, when it comes to you know, saying them out loud, um, either in front of a camera because you're doing a higher view or in front of a real person, it all of a sudden like slips out of your mind and you don't remember or it, it comes out a bit fumbled, etc. Um, so that's something I, I did. I forced a lot of my poor friends to listen to me practice a lot, um, but that was extremely helpful because even when you say them out loud to someone, you realize what's wrong if there is something wrong. Um, I would also emphasize for the interview that because you say that I'm not non-law and I'm, I am indeed non-law in terms of my academic knowledge of law, there was not much to go by, um, but that's not really what they care about. I think what is especially important um, is being aware that most of the skills you've acquired at this stage, like you're a student, you've done internships, probably you worked in societies, they're all transferable. Uh, especially to a trainee level, like at the beginning, a trainee, what does they, do? what do they do? Like they draft emails, they summarize information, they research, etc. Those are all things you have done, and being aware when you're interviewing that that's just that's all you need um, is one calming and two makes or allows you to make sure that you're actually putting 
those skills at the forefront of of uh, your replies because you, I guess you can sometimes get lost in like be, trying to show that you know a lot about law when that's not even what they want. Yeah, definitely. They look more for the transferable skills and just the person. Um, okay, so now we'll move to actual um, your actual legal experiences in Whiting Case. So what attracted you to Whiting Case? I mean, when you ask these questions, I think you sound very cliche, but it's true. Whiting Case is a very international firm um, that have been extremely successful, especially in London, which is the office I apply to. And... I guess that's it. Initially, those were the two factors that made me want to apply. If I can give you the, the quick answer. Thank you. And and how was your experience in like the firm's entrepreneurial spirit and just the training, the the training as well and the vacation scheme? Uh, so I um, interned or was a vacation scheme student with, I would say, approximately like 25 maybe 30 other people so it was quite a big cohort and it did feel almost like a little bit of a class um because at white and case the training or the vacation scheme sorry is extremely how should i say like prepared and planned so you have a lot of sessions where we're all together you're just hearing from lawyers across practice areas in the firm um you have a lot of team building activities as well so you're very surrounded and this is visible even in the tasks you have to undertake so i think to set everyone on a par um white in case wants every vacation scheme student to complete five forage tasks that are not those you find on the internet so unfortunately you cannot you know uh cheat your way through them but they're similar to those that many firms offer and they're just sort of reserved for the vacation scheme students. And I would say, well, some were really quick. They were like two hours, but some were six, seven hours. And there were a big, big chunk of what we were doing, um, each one of us, because you because they're more difficult, I think, than tasks that a lawyer would give to a vacation scheme student otherwise. And they're really meant to test your ability and your also your willingness to step outside of your comfort zone and take up something that seems a bit daunting um maybe to give a, a bit of an illustration we there was a lot of summarizing of information but there were also things like drafting a contract or not a contract drafting a like a legal opinion but it seemed like a contract because it was very formalized like you had to there were certain sentences you had to say and i had no clue how to do those things so that was difficult we had to also you know figure out the structure of a, of a company in a big merger case um, on just the basis of some documents, et cetera. So it was quite technical, but I think that's what they want. Um, and so that's in terms of the training on the vacation scheme. You ask also about the more general spirit um, in the firm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely really big. First of all, they have a whole building. Um, so that's very different from Cleary that I went to after. The people you meet there also are very professional and great lawyers. Like you can tell most of their identity is like being a lawyer, at least in the conversations I've had with people there. Uh, I did yeah, make a point of getting a lot of coffees, et cetera. And you can see they love what they do and they're here to do their job. They're in the office like a long day. Also because they have this insane canteen at White and Case where everything's free and they have the most amazing food and breakfast and dinner. So that's why they're there all day. Um, but 
it has this vibe of like everyone's here to make progress and make the firm like grow so definitely i'm not sure if you could call it entrepreneurial but for sure you know really motivated about being a part of white and case thank you and, and can you just clarify what practice areas did you work in yeah um i was sat well just for two weeks so i'm not sure if you could say that but uh in arbitration but since i mentioned those forge tasks etc you didn't it didn't really make a big difference where you were like a sign because in the end you did all the same tasks although it did make a difference on and I should have mentioned this before on the mentors you had um I was assigned a trainee mentor and an associate mentor and both of them were in arbitration as well thank you I'm sure yeah you can also just network with other people in different practice areas and gain some insights into that um and how did you stand out I mean how did you given that there were 20 plus people I mean I'm sure you you did stand out so do you have any tips for our listeners I think once you're there um you've shown you have the potential intellectually and at that point it's a matter of just being like it sounds very obvious but just being yourself and making everyone feel really comfortable that's really just how I approached it like I I was being funny, I was talking to people, I was joking around, like just having normal conversations because at the end of the day, they're also hiring colleagues, right? They don't want someone that's extremely stuck up or way too eager. Um, actually, <laughs> one person was a bit like that and she didn't get an offer even though I'm sure she was brilliant. So I think maybe that's something to keep in mind as well. Like once you're there, just be yourself, be natural, do the best you can. But if people see you are doing the best you can and it's okay, like it's not your most brilliant work, but it's it's okay enough, I'm sure it'll work out well, especially at Wayne Case because they do hire a lot of trainees. They take 50 a year. Yeah, and then also just from a cultural perspective, how, how would you describe its culture and how does it differentiate them, themselves from other leading US firms? They um, really want to emphasize the connection between offices, uh, which is great. It was a big selling point for me and made me hesitate a lot um, whether to go to, to White and Case. And they do this through several ways. One, there is the International Trainees Economment, um, which White and Case is famous for. So every trainee will, for certain, uh, spend six months in another office. And they can do this in any one they would like. I think you, they submit like three preferences or six. I don't remember exactly. And then the HR coordinates um, that everyone goes, goes where they want to. So that already creates a connection globally because people will have met someone from another office and then that connection remains throughout their career at the firm. They also do this through, um, I think, yearly get-togethers or I think they have one in Europe that's yearly and then every couple of years, one that's global, where the whole firm gets together. Yeah, I think you have to research this if you would like to talk about it in your application, because I don't remember exactly what the technicalities were, but um, they make a point of connecting the firm globally. And that's, I think, very, very special. Yeah, that is true. It's very unique in that perspective. And I'm sure the international succumbent is also very appealing for everyone. Yeah. Um, and just lastly, I mean, the final interview, how was that like? How were you able to convert it? How, well, to get the offer, of course. 
<laughs> that makes me laugh because that interview was the worst interview I did in my entire life. Um, it was absolutely terrible. I got a coughing attack, coughing fit, like two minutes in, and I could not talk and I could not breathe. Um, it was to the point that I literally ran to the cafeteria to get like food to call my throat and it was not working. Like I couldn't speak and I couldn't finish my interview. Um, although I did do the first half where I presented a PowerPoint that I had created before. So that's to calm everyone down. If your final interview doesn't go well, it doesn't mean anything because you can still get the offer. Um, and I think this also reflects, and it's what I was told after the interview that at White and Case, they really take everything into account, especially the forage tasks. We were told they were really important, potentially more important than the interview. So you have those tasks. And then um, that final interview, you have an HR sort of catch up, but I think you're also being assessed a bit there. You have your associate that give a review, or the associate and the trainee give a review about you. Um, so there's a really continuous process of, of assessment. And for the final interview, while it matters, um, for sure, especially the presentation you give as well, not just in content, but especially in form, I think they want you to be able to be eloquent, explain a point in a sensible way, etc. It's not everything. Clearly, because mine was terrible. Yeah, I'm sure. And also, I mean, it is two weeks. So in a way, they're kind of interviewing you and supervising you on your every move every day. But it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, that's really how it felt, honestly. Like the two weeks, it was it felt like it was a constant interview, which made it very exhausting. But I think also it's fair because then you feel like it's not one interview that could ruin your chances. And it's also just you as a person, as a whole rounded lawyer, as they say. Okay, well, thank you for that, um, Zita. Now we'll move to Cleary. So your future, um, your future job, and Laura will be taking over. Thank you. Hi, Zita. So now uh, onto your experience at Cleary. So what attracted you to this firm in the first place? And can you describe a little bit its training structure? Cleary is also a very international firm. Clearly, that's a common denominator in my choices, and it, and it was. So that's uh, not just a cliche. And then also, they're excellent in competition law, which we've mentioned a bit before. Um, that's a big interest of mine. And so that was an additional reason for which I, I applied to Cleary. Great. And we saw that you interviewed Ander J uh, when you were uh, Anders J when you were the vice president of the Competition Law Society. What did you learn from that interview? And did it help you in your um, vacation scheme or application? Yes, that was a couple of years ago now. Um, but we did indeed uh, interview him on questions about like competition law and technology that I touched upon um, earlier. And two things I learned. One, I was passionate about the discipline in a career perspective because he spoke about what he was doing and I found it so fascinating and interesting and it further enticed me to pursue it as a career. And then also he was so friendly and nice and very approachable, although he was already uh, an associate by at that point, um, which I think also tell, told me about, about the firm because the people you meet ultimately like make up most of what your life will look like. Um, when you're when you're working and so that also just 
for me was a selling point about Cleary, that, that connection. And actually, I ran into him on my assessment day um, when I was in the office in London at Cleary. And I was just running to the bathroom and I ran into him and he remembered me as well. And we just had a quick chat. So that was very nice. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, as you said, uh, rightly so, uh, the people at the firm speaks a lot about the culture and about the, yeah, the sort of people you're going to be working in uh, in your day-to-day um, job. So uh, how was your experience throughout the vacation scheme at Cleary? Cleary was very different from Martin Case. I did it just um, in the following week. So I had a direct comparison. Already the cohort was a lot smaller. I think we were 12, um, 12 students that were doing the vacation scheme. There were also barely any assigned tasks or scheduled activities, et cetera. Like it was really up to us to make our vacation scheme what we wanted it to be. Um, We were also not assigned to a specific practice area. We had um, a selection so we could submit a list of interests and then they sort of assigned us to a trainee and a partner mentor and an office space that was related to um, either one or multiple of these interests, but we weren't like specifically sat in one. So I was doing, my partner mentor was a competition lawyer who's very famous. Uh, he's called Maurits Dolmans. Maybe some people are familiar with him. He was great. And then I had a trainee mentor who was an IP, which was something that I was also interested in. Um, and I had, you know, I had the opportunity to do tasks across the practice area. So I reached out to some people in MA, tax, etc. Um, and in that way, the scheme was a lot more catered towards our independence like I could schedule my day really how I wanted it um meeting people when if I wanted if I didn't do anything I wouldn't have met them so a lot more independent there in the in the structure of the scheme for sure and what type of work did you do on a day-to-day basis so there were no forage tasks uh, which freed up a lot of time but um what what kind of tasks did I do I did quite a bit of research um there were different types so i did for example in one case i just did uh you know fact checking research about insurance an insurance company whether that insurance company had done can't really disclose what it was but um just some research about the history of the company etc in another case i did some legal research um this was for an MA case where the question was whether, you know, I'm not sure if I can explain it clearly now, but in the case of an acquisition of a firm that has several subgroups, um, the associate wanted me to check what the legal implications were for a certain area of law for those subgroups that would be acquired. And that was also something that was a bit challenging because I had to go on Westlaw and these like yeah, legal source websites I hadn't really dealt with before as an on-law student. Um, so that was something I, I mean, what else was I doing? Um, I was preparing a PowerPoint uh, for another partner who was wanting to hold a presentation. Yeah, those were a couple of the tasks. And we did have one assigned thing, which was a presentation with two other members of the vacation scheme um, where we, we could choose 
out of, I think, 10 questions, everyone could choose one and then present their opinion in a 10 minute presentation at the end of the scheme, which was attended by a lot of trainees, partners, et cetera. Um, and so I guess I was also working on that throughout. Great, thank you. And how did you find the support and guidance throughout the, the vacation scheme? At both firms, I felt very supported. Um, the Already the HR was very helpful. Um, I could reach out to them at any point. If they had, I also had some technical difficulties, for example, and they were really helpful with that. Um, and the mentors I was assigned were were great too. Um, I think those in both firms made a really big difference from my experience personally, because since the mentors only have, I think, at least one student that they're, well, or vacation scheme member um, that they're responsible for, it does make you feel a bit more special and like you have just someone that's focused only on you and is there for your, if you have questions, et cetera. And that allows you also to be a bit more sp spontaneous in, in your questions, et cetera, because it doesn't feel quite as formal as some other um, interactions with members of the firm throughout could have been. So the support was great um, in both, I have to say. Great, thank you. So given that Clary is ranked as the leading firm in the majority of its practice areas, could you give us some examples of how this is translated into the culture of the firm or the training you received? Um, yes. Initially, one thing that comes to mind that uh, sets apart Clary, I think, from most firms in London and in the world is that its practice areas aren't very separated. And that's already from an office perspective, like people are from different practice areas are sitting sometimes even in the same office or on the same floor. Um, and it just creates a very seamless integration of practice areas. There was also one trainee that was qualifying actually into two practice areas at the end of the summer. So I don't remember exactly which ones they were, but from my memory, he was qualifying into both um, private equity and finance or something which is almost unheard of. Uh, usually, you know, an associate will be an associate for one practice area only, and sometimes something a lot more niche than even just all of M&A. It might be just pharmaceutical M&A, whatever. So the fact that he could do a dual qualification, I think, shows a lot about the firm's um, openness to, to keeping the practice areas very fluid. And another thing I think that was, for me, strong about Cleary was that even... Well, I talked I talked to some partners and they all sort of recognized that in comparison to White Case, for example, they had less offices in numbers, but each one of their offices were packed and really good. Whereas some other firms, especially in a growth phase, will open up offices with like two people just to have that new location on their list of locations. And it is a strategy in itself, especially considering the fact that you know the legal challenges faced by many comp companies can reach to very niche locations and it's useful to have someone on the terrain but at Cleary it really wasn't the approach wasn't so much about the marketing or opening offices just for the sake of it it was really always about delivering excellent legal service and that speaks to to its um quality in the in those rankings etc in my opinion how do you think you stood out uh, in the Cleary vacation scheme? It's a bit difficult to answer this, obviously, because uh, 
I'm not on the HR side and I'm not exactly sure what at the end of the day is important. But from my perspective, I think at Cleary, I was like what what I was saying before about wine case was especially true at Cleary. So most people in the vacation scheme were brilliant. Like that was also a big difference between the two. Um, and in case everyone was really friendly and nice, whereas at, at Cleary was people like most people were from like excellent backgrounds academically. They were extremely focused um, and just very, very like smart in their approach. So that was a bit intimidating. But at the end of the day, um, it also caused them to be maybe a little less open minded in certain instances, etc. For example, there was a summer party that happened at the same time as my vacation scheme, which we were all invited to. And some students were not even, you know, making a point of meeting members of the firm, etc. And in contrast to that, I did try to meet as many people as I could and just have like, again, a friendly conversation with them that was obviously, you know, on the, behind the backdrop, backdrop, sorry, of them being lawyers at a firm that I was really interested in. And I'd never forgot that when I was talking to them. But you could still, you know, have a conversation about something a bit more um like less conventional and i think that allows you to just create a personal connection that makes them remember you beyond the fact that you're a vacation scheme student like you become i became zeta or whoever could become just an individual rather than just a member of a crowd if that makes sense so creating that personal connection while obviously i think at clearly that was also important just delivering excellent work um when you were asked to was um something that I hope at least made me stand out and made them want to hire me as a colleague because once again it is also something to keep in mind yeah that's so true I think um having them remember you is is a is a big thing and if you're able to speak to as many people as possible and you make a big impression on them it definitely makes a difference so how was your last in uh, your final interview at Cleary uh oh yeah i was actually not even sure for a second if i even had one because at cleary they emphasize that it doesn't matter like they say it's more of an hr wrap-up where you can give feedback on the scheme rather than them interviewing you so i'm not sure again how much it's weighted um the final interview um because i think at at cleary too it's more of a continuous assessment but it was very short. I have to say it was like 10, 15 minutes. Um, it was on the last day. Since my last name is with a V, I am always at the end of the list. So I was, I think, the last one they interviewed during the whole day. I was exhausted, to be honest. Um, and I don't think I performed my best either, simply because they had emphasized that it didn't really matter. And it was the last day. And the questions were a bit challenging, actually. Um, and it was with someone that, a, a counsel that I had never met before. So how it was was short. It was asking questions about why I had chosen the practice areas on my um, at the beginning of the scheme, how I had found the work. And they did, I want to say, grill me a little bit about the work I had done. Like they were really trying to make sure I remembered um, what I had done. And also I was a bit critical on, on what it meant, what the implications were, were of of what I had provided. So it wasn't just about saying, oh, I summarized this document. It was for what purpose, um, who's the client, what is their bigger aim, et cetera. So they did want that sort of 
and name dropping commercial awareness here and an understanding of of uh, your purpose as a part of the bigger whole. But it, it, I think it went well because at the end it was her, so that the council who interviewed me, who called me also to let me know about my offer. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners will really uh, appreciate all the tips that you've given us on both of your vacation schemes uh, that have obviously been very successful. So congratulations. Um, so just to wrap up, we're going to ask you a couple of concluding questions. Um, the first one is, what is something you wish you had done differently before applying? Um, I want to say go to more events. And that's something that we talked about at the very beginning of this of this call. I realized um, through that one connection I made with the HR person of a different firm, how useful and beneficial it was to meet them in person. Um, and I was lucky enough to still, you know, manage to get through some some scanning processes, but I definitely think that that could have made a bigger difference to my my applications. So that's one thing I would have done differently. And from a less strategic and more holistic po point of view, um, just not putting one's entire worth and existence and pressure on the success of these applications. Because at the end of the day, it is a little bit of luck that's always mixed in there. Obviously, when you're at the vacation scheme and you have to prove yourself, et cetera, that's just you. But before that, before arriving to a place where people are actually meeting you, they're just seeing a candidate that has certain metrics, et cetera. They're not meeting you. And so I think making putting too much pressure on yourself throughout the process is not useful because um, it doesn't mean anything about who you are as an individual, whether it works out or not. Great. Thank you so much. Um, well, uh, thank you for, for this interview and uh, for giving us some time of your day to speak to us. And we wish you the best in your future endeavors. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was a pleasure to speak to you. And if anyone has any questions, I'm uh, always reachable, I guess, on LinkedIn. So um, I'm happy to answer any questions there. Thank you, Zita. Thank you so much.